It's time for another episode of the Franchise Business Radio Show, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge and insight of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And now here's your host, Pam Curry. Good morning. Hello, this is Pamela Curry, host of the Franchise Business Radio Show, a platform for bringing together franchise professionals to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and consumer. And I also want to say thank you very much to the Franchise Business Radio sponsors, uh, Franchise City, uh, www.franchise.city, a better way to buy a franchise. And also Fran Insight, or you can go to www.franintellect for franchise educational advisory services and resources. Very excited about our show today. We've got a wealth of knowledge in the studio. Uh, We have two guests in the studio. We have a virtual guest. And prior to kicking off, we were all doing small world chatter for a lot of deep, deep experience that has been shared. Uh, Let's just say it's it's less than one degree of separation in the franchise community. Uh, Fair enough. (laughs) So I'd like to go ahead and, and welcome one of our guests that we have in the studio, Steve and welcome. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for inviting me over today. Um, My name is Stephen Seabaugh and I work with a a company called Ride Tech Restorations. They're headquartered in Kennesaw, Georgia. Primarily the franchise uh, does water mitigation and drying. So if a house gets uh, flooded with water in any situation, uh, we come in with equipment and we uh, extract the water and then dry that residence to a dry standard that's part of a national program. The bulk of our business comes from insurance companies. So we're not well known in the public domain. We do very little advertising, you know, billboard, radio, TV. Uh, All of our efforts are directed towards insurance agents, property managers, property owners. So uh, we're not that well known. Well, we're going to dive deeper into RITAC, and um, I know you've been with them for over five years now. Five and a half. Five and a half years, but how long have you been in the franchise industry? I have been a franchisee. I I bought a franchise in 1977, and I sold that franchise in uh, 1984, moved down to uh, Georgia for a temporary job, and we've stayed down here. So I've been a franchise developer uh, for approximately uh, 35-plus years. (laughs) I've never counted it, but 35 no. plus years. Okay, didn't mean to date us, but yeah, <laughs> as I said, just a wealth of knowledge in the studio. Uh, Brett, welcome. Welcome to Franchise Business Radio Show. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Brett Mason. I own the local Mr. Handyman franchise in Atlanta, covering Sandy Springs, Dunwoody, Brookhaven, Buckhead, and Peachtree Corner. So uh, unlike Stephen, I'm actually new to the franchise world and uh, just Really had a great experience so far, and I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, and that, that's what's going to be so great about the show is, is we're going to get really two very different perspectives at the franchise world. Um, lots of experience, as well as a fresh start, and we all are in different seasons, which I, which I appreciate. Um, as a virtual call-in, um, we have a guest also with Mr. Handyman. Tom, welcome to the Franchise Business Radio Show. Sam, good morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning, Brett and Stephen. Uh, great to be with you all. Uh, I'm with Mr. Handyman in Franchise Development. Uh, Mr. Handyman is part of the largest services franchise organization worldwide uh, under a brand called Neighborly. Uh, Neighborly, formerly the Dwyer Group. Uh, we have 13 brands, uh, all servicing the uh, residential and light uh, commercial communities. And Mr. Handyman is uh, really focused on the smaller stuff. All of us uh, probably have honey-do lists around our homes that our spouses uh, keep us busy with. And so that's really what Mr. Handyman focuses on, that small two-hour to two-day type projects that uh, we're all trying to keep up with. I've been around business and franchising for the last 30-plus years, 25 of that uh, in franchising. I've owned my own franchise business uh, back with Schlotzky's Deli. I was also an area developer developing uh, southeastern Wisconsin, northern Michigan. And I've been with three other franchise companies, all in leadership roles and development and operations. So happy to be here and, and talking about it today. Yeah. And, and Tom, on that note, again, another uh, obviously deep, deep experience in the franchise community. Um, and uh, it's my understanding that 
2013 is when you got involved as VP of Franchise Development for Mr. Handyman, uh, really expanding. Yes. Okay, excellent. To today, yep. so you have five. Yep. <laughs> we got a, we got a few parallels happening here, and um, I'd, sure. I'd I'd like to share a little bit about our listeners on a personal note as well, because I think there's value in that. Yeah, you also are co-founder of the Giving Jar Scholarship, in memory of yes. your father, a teacher and coach. Tell tell us a little yes. bit about that. Yeah, my father was a teacher for thirty five plus years, uh, and he was a basketball coach, golf coach. And so I grew up in the sporting world, uh, didn't get a chance, unfortunately, to play with him. He retired before I got uh, old enough to play for him, but uh, unfortunately passed away back in 2010. And my brother and I, uh, I learned a long time ago, my father shared with me, uh, I asked him one time, why did he become a teacher? And it kind of surprised me, but uh, I'll share that with you, is that he said, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I had a lot of teachers and coaches that helped me along the way. And the reason I got into teaching was I wanted to give something back. So when our father passed away, my brother and I uh, wanted to continue his legacy and help kids, uh, seniors that uh, were looking to uh, go into college and become teachers or coaches or other vocations that also gave back to kids. And so we formed the Giving Jar Scholarship. Uh, Jar is his initials, James Allen Raymond. So my daughter actually designed the logo for us. And so we've been over the last several years providing scholarships to high school seniors uh, that want to go on and follow the legacy of our father and give something back, and whether it be coaching or teaching or, again, other vocations. So we've been doing that. We're very excited about doing that. In fact, I was just on the phone with our foundation uh, up in Michigan the other day uh, deciding on the uh, awards that we were giving this year. So we Um, continue that legacy, and and that's uh, something that we're very proud of. That is a wonderful legacy, and we'll just go ahead and also give a shout-out to your wife, uh, Christine, who you've been married to for 20 years. Uh, obviously, you have a son, James, uh, 32, as well as a daughter, Madison, 20. Uh, who's, yes, who's, who's in and a, a two-year-old grandson that uh, actually be two in a few weeks here. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. That's a beautiful family. Uh, yeah. Let's go ahead and, uh, for our listeners, um, I'd, I'd like for you to give a little bit of a backdrop. You, you kind of alluded to it. Um, Dwyer Group, Neighborly Brands, talk to us a little bit about that, the, the evolution there. Well, the Dwyer Group was started uh, way back in 1981, founded by Don Dwyer, who unfortunately passed away at a young age back in 1994 at the age of 61. But certainly his legacy has been carried on, uh, especially by his daughter, Dina, who is very well known throughout the industry, a former chairwoman of the IFA, the International Franchise Association, and our leader in terms of our culture and our values here at uh, Now Neighborly. But the Dwyer Group, uh, for many, many years, uh, that name really didn't uh, resonate with a lot of folks, didn't tell what we do and how we do it in franchising. So over the last uh, two and a half, three years, one of the charges of our new chief strategy and marketing officer that came on board a little over three years ago was to put together and research a name that would encompass our brand. And the name Neighborly was rolled out uh, about two and a half years ago. And officially, we changed our brand name last September. It was announced at our national reunion conference. so we are now neighborly. We still sometimes uh, make the mistake of saying the Dwyer Group. We're still getting used to that. But uh, neighborly really encompasses now what we do and, and what we're building here. And the synergy of all of our 13-plus brands worldwide is coming together very nicely. It's an exciting opportunity that we're just starting to scratch the surface in terms of building that synergy and all of our brands and owners like Brett uh, working together. So he may be able to speak to that uh, being fairly new and getting to know some of the other owners in his market. Talk, uh, when you say synergy, um, Neighborly is a, the parent kind of umbrella uh, company. And what is Neighborly's focus and what kind of synergy and value is there by having multiple brands underneath that parent umbrella? Yeah, one of the things that we found uh, when we did our research and putting this uh, program together under Neighborly is that we found that Less than 2% of our customer base even knew that we had other brands when our chief strategy and marketing officer first came on board. So that was, you know, some people look at it and say, gosh, you guys are pretty stupid that you don't know this. But we see it as an opportunity. And so bringing those customers together now and 
connecting the dots. So we've actually raised that uh, almost to 4% now, and we still have a long way to go, but exciting opportunity to continue to build within our customer database, the sharing of knowledge of, hey, we've got these other brands. So if you're a Mr. Handyman customer, hey, by the way, we've also got Grounds Guys that does landscape work. We've got Mr. Rooter that does plumbing. We've got Mr. Appliance that does appliance work. So we're trying to uh, build a uh, synergy of one-stop shopping, if you will, that our customers will be able to find the services for their residences and their small businesses if they have one. We can do everything. We cover just about all of the service verticals in residential and light commercial. And basically, we serve the same customer. And we do three things. We repair, enhance, and maintain people's homes and small businesses. So we continue to grow uh, the knowledge base and the information sharing between those customers that we have, this huge database, and uh, really starting to see some exciting things. That's great. And one of the... Um I guess one of the things I was excited about for this particular show is is the representation on two different levels, right? Uh, you've got your deep franchise experience, 35 uh, plus years prior, <laughs> and they are not to date you. And, uh, and then in, in addition to that, um, you're kind of coming at it from a corporate perspective. And then we do have a local franchisee, uh, Brett, in the studio that um, we're going to talk to in a minute because I want to get his perspective as well, Brett. Uh, but before we go into that, I want to tap into you a little bit. When someone is evaluating a franchise concept, walk walk us through what kind of advice and and, and what that would look like for them. Sure. Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, you're making that kind of a decision typically is a big decision to go into your own business. Now, Brett comes from a background where he was involved in a couple of startups. So he has, as I call it, a few rungs up the ladder and maybe the stress and fear and anxiety that's this natural part of the process, maybe not as high, but uh, most of the people that we work with are coming out of maybe getting laid off or downsized or right-sized, whatever you want to call it these days over the last <laughs> 10 plus years, out of corporate. And they've never really put their own uh, money into a business and it's a big decision. It's, uh, it's laden with fear and anxiety, which is all natural. It'll keep you sharp. But one of the things we really want to uncover is the why, meaning why are you making this decision? Why are you going to kind of go through the pain of change? And what do you want to leave behind? And oftentimes, maybe there's a, a poor boss or the bureaucracy of corporate or you know, they just can't get anything done or they're traveling on the road. So we, we really want to uncover why are you looking to make this decision? and uncovering the hopes, goals, and dreams and desires of someone who's willing to make this decision, because that's critical too. It's not all about just the money. It's what is the lifestyle? What does the family look like? Uh, What are your goals for family? And we're looking at helping people with their personal and financial goals uh, more than just putting dollars in their pocket. Uh, It's all about quality life and what is that work-life balance? So those are the kinds of things that we uncover and then we'll dive into the needs and, and what are they looking for going forward. Maybe it's a, a legacy situation where they have kids that they hope to leave the business uh, to when their time comes mm-hmm. and they want to get out of it. So, again, it's, it's more about uh, really finding out what their hopes, goals, dreams, and desires are and uncovering that why. No, no, that uh, very well said. And, and actually, that's a great segue. I, I, I want to give our listeners a little bit of a backdrop on Brett and then talk to him as to what was his why and um, why he made this transition. Uh, Brett, prior to owning a Mr. Handyman franchise, you actually spent a decade in strategic sales and marketing in the telecommunications sector. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a different vertical. You specialized in digital acquisition and call center conversion. And you did run um, business development for an electronics recycling startup and even founded a beer tap handle manufacturing company. Which has nothing to do with Mr. Handyman. It does not. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have Mr. Handyman that like beer too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, uh, now, now you're in, in Dunwoody, Georgia. You do have your own. You are a franchisee of Mr. Handyman with your wife and your two young daughters. Um, and I'd be remiss just to give a shout out to your alumni that you are University of Alabama. Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs> and and have have the hobbies of skiing and fly fishing, which again have nothing to do with being a Mr. Handyman. Talk to us. What's your why? So Tom hit the nail on the head. You know, when I worked with him, he really 
try to uncover what I was looking for. So after you get past the bio and the background, which some of it is not linear, right? Yeah. Uh, you start to understand that I have an entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, but when I started my beer tap handle company, I was in my late 20s and I did not have two young daughters and I could stay up in the middle of the night trying to figure out how to do my billing system or something silly like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was my wife that really encouraged me to look into franchising because we don't have that type of time anymore. Sure. She believed in me and my ability, but she also said, I want you to channel that a little mm. bit. So when I got to talking with um, Tom, he, he really tried to uncover what I was looking for. And actually, one of the reasons I, I wanted to own a local franchise is I was sick of traveling all over the country. Huh. And That's I can, not a lifestyle. <laughs> and and I, I was uh, really looking at potentially... St- going the traditional startup route. And I started thinking about it, and I wanted to create something real. I wanted to do something in my community and have a tangible result with customers. And um, when I started looking into this model, it was very genuine. the, The intentions are to help customers solve a problem. And it really, you know, we've gone out there and we've seen what that does to somebody's psyche. And whether it's they're fixated on a small problem in their house and it may be small for our technicians who are professionals, but for them it's their whole world Mm -hmm. and they can't think about anything else except this problem. And we'll come out and knock it out of the ballpark and everybody's happy. And I feel good about doing that. And that's something I can get behind in the community. So I really like the mission of the company. I like the business model and it's just been a really good fit for me, but um, it all started with what are you trying to accomplish? And it was, it's not a, it's not an easy answer for that. So, no, I no, I like that. And by the way, as a homeowner and consumer, uh, you're right. <laughs> when I get some of those maintenance projects done, it's like I, I just feel the weight <laughs> come off of my shoulders. It's a huge relief. Uh, so, fully get it. Uh, so, talk to us a little bit. Um, obviously, there was the why, and that makes a lot of sense. What about selecting a franchise? There's over 3,000 brands out there across so many different verticals. I mean, that's a big C to have your boat in. Um, how'd you get that rudder in place and, and find Mr. Handyman? So I, I worked with a franchise consultant, and uh, it was an, the whole concept of franchising was new to me. Mm-hmm. So I really had to dip my, my toe in the water slowly. And I started with an emotional, just 40,000-foot view. What could I see myself doing? Mm. And that knocked out a few of them. Sure. Uh, I didn't see my, I didn't have any food background. I kind of knocked all those out. Right. And then I started looking into uh, just the cold, rational analytics of it. Mm. And, and then after I did my analysis of the market and – uh, the industry and, um, you know, is I really kinda, I can be over analytical. I looked into artificial intelligence. Does, is there a potential for that to disrupt this industry? I don't uh-huh. really see it in Mr. Handyman. That's um, things like that. Then I went back to the emotional side of it again. Mm-hmm. Once I knew what was a viable business in this market that I wanted to be a part of. Um, and then, you know, I can tell you that between Tom not trying to sell me a franchise. He really was trying to make sure it was a good fit. And then working with all the people uh, at Mr. Handyman and at the Neighborly brand, it's a family and their mm. their values, they really do live it. And I went back to my instinct and just, just went with my instinct at the end of it. Yeah. And we were talking a little bit about this before the show got kicked off that, you know, there are different flavors of entrepreneurship, right? We have our solopreneur, our entrepreneur, our entrepreneur. Uh, and I know you're in the fresh season right now, mm-hmm. but talk to us a little bit about the difference in your opinion between being a pure traditional entrepreneur and actually being part of a franchise system and being a entrepreneur. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Tom hit the nail on the head when he said there is a lot of anxiety around it mm-hmm. that I maybe didn't have. Uh, I'm not saying I didn't have any anxiety about any big business decision, but sure. I've I've stared at the abyss of starting everything from scratch. And mm-hmm. I mean, the little things like, what is my logo going to look like? 
mm-hmm. don't have to think about. Um, you know, I've, I've run digital marketing campaigns, and uh, when you're running your marketing, you A, B, test your way to success. Do you know how much money you have to spend <laughs> to A-B test your way yes. to the, the data that they already have? Mm-hmm. I know that because I have a marketing background. So, yes, I'm still A-B testing, but on a very micro level. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not testing 5,000 terms to bid on. Yes, I already know which ones to bid on. And so th- just from the start, I'm coming out with a, a running head start. And uh, where I am right now... Um, really three months into operations is probably where I, if I was doing it on my own, it would probably be 18 months from now. So I I see the value. Yeah. Well, well said. And you hit on something else that I I, I do also want to point out is not only that jumpstart, right? You're getting those proven methods of operations that you're licensing, uh, but you are part of a family, part of a system. Um, have you had a chance to experience the value of that yet? I know it's still kind That's of... That's a great question, and it's popped up a few times already. Uh, for example, there was... Uh, we had a, cust- a few customers canceled on us, mm-hmm. and I started looking into it. Is there something I can do to prevent this from happening? And I've got a lot of experience from my telecommunications background, so I, I can draw upon that a little bit, but that sure. doesn't translate mm-hmm. necessarily into this industry. So I, I got on our message board and just searched some past conversations over the last several years. And I got some really good answers on what people were testing and what worked and what didn't work. And then I asked um, some of the other owners just to kind of confirm. But my conversation didn't start as an obscure, okay, what do we do to fix this? It was like, okay, I know that there's three different ways that we can possibly fix this. What are you doing? Mm. And so I didn't waste two days fixing this. I waste, I didn't waste, I, I probably spent... 30 minutes on it. Right. right. That peer exchange, right? Again, right. the shortcut to the learning curve uh, that's happening. It makes sense. We, you, you also brought up something, and Tom, I'm going to bring you into the fold of this. Uh, you know, a key, key component for anyone that moves into business ownership is customer acquisition, right? Some people call it sales and marketing, you know, but how am I going to go about getting my customers? And uh, with that being said, uh, Technology in today's world plays a role in the business. Uh, who wants to take that question first? Tom, Brett, uh, how how's technology play a role? Well, uh, I'll take it, and then Brett can certainly from a, a micro position of franchisee ownership. But technology is critical, and we a couple of things I'll touch on is one: we rolled out a new software system two and a half years ago that you know. Brett didn't know our old system, so he, he, had to, he got to start with the new one. Didn't have to make that change, but uh, it, it's so much more real-time, and our technicians are using iPads now, so information goes back to the office. Uh, single point of entry. Uh, even our math uh, improvements alone, not taking away from our technicians, but just the math improvements alone and them not having to add things and take a shoe off and count toes uh, has increased our margins and our profitability a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's exciting uh, from the standpoint of the operations side. Uh, another piece of technology you mentioned, you know, launching and getting your, your number of customers built up quickly is we have a program we rolled out several months ago that uh, all new owners, and this is for any brand, not just Mr. Handyman, but uh, we're really uh, excited about introducing it to our owners, our new owners, is when you start about 45 days after you launch, uh, our marketing team will, at no cost, you don't have to lift a finger, will send out an email blast to all the customers of all the neighborly brands in your territory, introducing you as the new Mr. Handyman owner. Mm. That technology that we're using, because we built that database and gathered all those customers, is now a huge launching pad for all new owners. And those customers get a little discount coupon to give that new business a try. So that's a huge, huge uh, win for us. And when you come out of training, you have a 12-month marketing plan that's built that you're going to eat, live, breathe, walk, and talk that you are part of as an owner working together with a marketing team even before you come to training at our home office in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So you know, we're all about uh, making sure that we've got on the leading edge of technology. We're continuing to look at that and grow that, but we don't want to be on the bleeding edge to be too far out there, as I call it. Makes sense. Uh, Brett, on the local franchisee level, anything to add there? The only thing I would add is that we're we're constantly trying to make our business scalable for the future. 
So some of that is is what Tom alluded to with with using iPad. Our technicians use iPads and mm. um, interact with the customer via iPad. There's no paper things like that. Uh, but more importantly, is our customers are generally homeowners and business owners, and millennials are buying houses now. So they don't necessarily want to talk to us on the phone as much as most of our customers do right now. So we're continuing to make sure that we have a good digital footprint and we're able to convert them digitally uh, for that very reason as we move in the future. Makes sense. Got to remain current, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. How I'm curious, Tom, how big is your industry? Industry-wide, if you look at numbers from last year, it'll probably change this year, but uh, about $4.4 billion spent in handyman services. Uh, that's up uh, a little over 6% uh, from previous year. So it's, it's significant, and uh, we still have lots and lots of opportunity out there to continue to expand. Uh, and so you know, as Brett looks at his business down the road, he mentioned that a huge opportunity in the millennials is that uh, – you know, they really don't have the skill sets, don't, aren't taking the time to want to learn the skill sets to do their own kind of do-it-yourself type projects. So as we looked at, our CEO uh, mentioned last year at our conference, that millennial group is about 39% of what we see uh, our business going forward across the board with our services brands. Wow. And, and I do um, just, I want to kind of go with the, for our listeners out there, uh, just kind of give some advice um, around, you know, if you're an as- aspiring entrepreneur looking to buy a franchise, and I want to get it both from your from your spe- perspective, Brett, and Tom, yours as well, um, really come at it from two different uh, views here. Tom, if you were going to give advice to that aspiring entrepreneur looking to buy a franchise, what would it be? Well, I'll go back to what I mentioned earlier is you've got to find out your why. you got to understand why am I looking to make a change? Because we have people that come out of, they're still working and they're going to leave a job. We have some that have been downsized. They're out of a job and can't get back in or don't want to get back in. And then we have some that uh, maybe have their own business and are looking to diversify. You know, I'm working with some of those types of folks that are in related industries. And uh, so they're looking to diversify into our business, but still need to understand why is this something that is important to you? How does that align with your hopes, goals, dreams, and desires, and the needs that you have uh, going forward. What are those needs? What is the quality of life uh, issues that you, you want to change? And are you willing to go through what we call that pain of the change and willing to tighten your belt maybe a little bit to, from walking away from a, a current income stream that uh, now you're going to be, as I described, eat what you kill mentality <laughs> and into your own business that uh, you don't get paid unless you're out there making it happen. So those are really, I think, the most important things is, is making sure you have that understanding of why are you even considering this decision? Because if you don't have what I call the negative motivations of things that you want to leave behind uh, and some positive things, things you want to move toward, you really are not going to be able, in my experience, to make that decision. Uh, occasionally they might, but uh, we really dig into that and find out what do you want to leave behind? What are those things that you don't want anymore? And what are you trying to move forward to? Excellent. Brett, on a, on a franchisee level? I would or? just say uh, evaluate your local market to the minute de- detail. Uh, who, who is your target market in your community? Uh, because that is what your business is going to be based on. Mm. And who are your competitors and then once you, you've got the data points to make a good decision, go back to your emotions like I did. Yeah, you, I like that. You've got to believe it. If you don't believe in this business model, you can't be the chief evangelist of it. Mm. You're the politician for the company. Uh, so you, you've got to uh, believe and trust your instinct at the end of the day. Great advice all the way around. Excellent. Thanks to both of you. And I, I, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, Brett, how would they go about getting in touch with you? If I'm doing my job properly, you should be able to Google our company, uh, Mr. Handyman of Sandy Springs and Dunwoody. Uh, 
if for some reason that's not working, then uh, www.mrhandyman.com uh, dash Sandy Springs Dunwoody, or uh, you can call us at 470-400-3600. We'd love to hear from you. I'm sorry, what's that number again? <laughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. For, we, we say it so much on the phone, 470-400-3600. Excellent. So happy to have you on the show. Tom, if someone was actually seriously wanting to learn a little bit more about what does it mean to become a Mr. Handyman or look into one of the neighborly brands, how would they go about contacting you and doing that? Well, I'll give you uh, both my direct line and my email address. My direct line here in Waco, Texas is 254-745-2598. In 254-745-2598. My email is tom.raymond, R-A-Y-M-O-N-D, at N-B-L-Y. That's our neighborly abbreviation, nbly.com. Excellent. Um, thanks so much, Tom. And and I know you're virtual. If you'd like to uh, stay with us, you're welcome to. If we have time, we might do a little roundtable at, sh- at, at the end of the show here. Um, sure. Great. Look forward to it. We are going to move on to our next guest, Stephen. And, and as I were talking earlier... <laughs> It's such a small world, right? Uh, a half a degree of separation. You and you and Tom have a little bit of uh, history, or at least connecting points. That's true. Uh, he, he's friends with a couple of people that I know. I didn't mention to him that one of their uh, senior staff out there, Mike Hawkins, I used to work with Mike about 20, 25 years ago, and he was affiliated with the Dwyer Group as a vice president for a number of years. Mm-hmm. I recently saw him at one of the trade shows, and we commensurated on our 30 40 years in the industry, so uh, yeah, getting getting a little long in the tooth, I, I, I would say. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, Stephen, you actually have 35-plus years in the in the franchise world, uh, very accomplished, experienced senior sales executive, um, obviously with relevant franchise sales and operations development in both retail as well as home-based franchise offerings. Uh, in addition to that, your experience is really a practical hands-on sales and general management performance for both privately held franchisors as well as investor groups. Um, You've obviously have a comfort level in working with different, let's just say, formats of franchising, whether it's single unit, multi-unit markets, regional development. Uh, You really have gotten a lot of experience in in working with creating and refining compelling presentations uh, to prospective franchisees to really be able to generate those top-line sales and uh, ongoing bottom line results for for the different brands that you have worked with. Uh, With the experience of having sold over 550 franchises during your your tenure in the franchise community um, and completing over 300 individual on-site startups for various franchisees and franchisors, uh, obviously you are a wealth of knowledge and experience. Uh, so very excited to have you on the show. I know your specialties are brand development and expansion. Uh, anything else uh, you, you need to add to that? Today you're with Rytech. Yes, Rytech Restorations, and we're located in Kennesaw, Georgia, headquartered. Great. And with um, with your specialties in, let me kind of back up, with your specialties in development, you've been with Rytech for five and a half years. Talk to us a little bit about Rytech and, um, and there's a second part to this question. Who is your target customer uh, when we think about customer acquisition? Because um, it's a different model and that, that's the reason why I want to hit upon that. Okay. Um, well, I guess the easiest thing to say that uh, – let me take the second part of your question again, okay. target acquisition. Um, Rytech is well not well known in the public domain, but in the insurance industry, we're a preferred vendor. Mm. So we have a very high vendor status within the industry. And our target audience is insurance carriers, insurance adjusters, uh, property managers, building managers – uh, plumbing companies for referrals. So um, we don't do a lot of uh, individual home marketing, but we do have a very well-established uh, program with about five or six target groups within the uh, communities that uh, the franchisee would own. So, uh, and and I don't want to put words around, would you classify that as a B2B? Yes, I would. 
Okay, so from first B to C, business to consumer, this is really a model of more of a, a business to business. That's correct. Wonderful. And uh, I mean, as a, can you put put yourself in the shoes of the franchisee? What is the day in the life of that franchisee? What does that look like? Well, um, we have a dispatch department at our headquarters. We take all of the incoming calls on behalf of the franchisees, which is something unique, and I can talk about a little bit later. Mm. Uh, but we take in all the calls from their local phone number that they have, and as well as their local web page. That creates a file, Then we dispatch that file to the owner of the zip codes. We do offer a fully protected territory by zip code. So only one person has that zip code within our franchise group or family. And when we receive any kind of calls, uh, we create a file that dispatch that uh, franchisee to that. So he's, uh, in a way, uh, waiting for the phone to ring. And while he's waiting on that, we're hoping very much that he's out networking within his local community uh, for those uh, local referrals. We, we bring the regional, national uh, referrals to him as a part of the package on coming on board. The local referrals, of course, would have to be generated locally, that which makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, you just really hit on something that is very important, and and that's that back end support and really giving your franchisees uh, the backbone. Talk to us a little bit about training. And support. You hit on one element of it there from customer acquisition. Well, training and support. Uh, there's some independent uh, training they need to get from the IICRC, which is a uh, schooling system, and they can pick classes locally or regionally to attend for uh, water uh, extraction and then drying. That's a one week course. Then they take a four day course on mold remediation repair. Uh, about half of our water jobs do involve mold which is, mm-hmm. you know, pretty profitable from our standpoint. Um, so water and mold are the main services that we look at, but we can do much more than that. We can do fire and smoke, pack in, pack out. I know that doesn't have a lot of um, information to the general public, but if you do have a fire in your house, your house will fill with smoke, and you do have to remove paintings and furniture and things like that, and they have to be cleaned and dusted, stored for a short time while the house is The odor in the house is taken away, and then that stuff is packed back in. So it's called a pack-out, pack-in. It's a great service for the community. Uh, And then they come for two weeks of corporate training. Uh, One week is in uh, we flood a house, and we take them through our policies, procedures, and protocols on our proprietary software on drying that property, and they actually see us flooded. So they're standing there with boots, and we flood (laughs) the house, and then we dry the house, and and everybody's happy, and they they learn how to do the software. So when they come to their community, uh, they've already done a job. So Mm -hmm. they're not coming in as, well, I've never done this work before. You've done the work under supervision. You've had two weeks of outside training and then two weeks of corporate training. So the first week is actually in a house. The second week is in our corporate offices where we take them through every aspect of owning and operating a business. It's a five-day course. Then they're assigned to uh, other people that will help them in their startup. Wow, very extensive training and and it and you, uh, background in training right here. I really appreciate that it's not theory training, right? It, just on the job training, <laughs> on Pamela. The job on training. the job training. That's what we call real world application. Real world. <laughs> so, um, what are you looking for in a franchisee? What does Rytech look for in a franchisee? Well, the most important thing when it bottles down to is what's called fit. We want to make absolutely sure this is a good fit for the franchisee and that they are a good fit for our system. We don't want to bring somebody into the system that um, would not feel comfortable in the day-to-day operation. Pamela, one of the other things I'd like to mention is that we do a very extensive uh, break-even analysis with our franchisees. So they actually have a spreadsheet. Uh, We work with them on all of their financial commitments, and uh, we, we educate them working with them and existing franchisees and with our FDD to be able to create for themselves a break-even analysis. And if their numbers work Mm -hmm. for them based on industry standards, what they put together, then we will invite them into our corporate offices in Kennesaw. Uh, We uh, 
reimburse them for their airline trip. It doesn't cost anything uh, for coming in and visiting us. I usually pick them up at the airport, take them to our offices. We're about 35 minutes north of the Atlanta airport. We spend about four hours with them casually. I tell them to leave their checkbook at home. No one, <laughs> no one, no one in corporate, no one is going to ask them to buy anything. They're coming in to, to really learn about our, our back-end services, our administrative services from the people that do that. Pamela, what this allows, it allows the franchisee the opportunity to start their business from home. That gives them a lot of security. They don't have to go out and lease a building. They don't have to do uh, any build-outs on that property. They're not committing to a uh, long-term lease. They're not hiring administrative people to be in their business or estimators. We do all of that for them as a part of our administrative package using uh, technology today. We are also paperless, like uh, Mr. Handyman here. Uh, Our people work off of an iPad. They take photographs, and they can actually talk into the iPad. It will write the comments in the proper sections for a line item billing. Oh, wow. So it's a, it's a very high, I wouldn't call it super high tech. It's, uh, <laughs> people that are, you know, if you're handy using a computer, this is going to be very easy to take photographs with your iPad, make your comments, and, and that will increase the invoice. They send the invoice, so we complete the invoice, and we send the invoice back to the owner to look at electronically. And if the owner of the business is fine with the invoice, we actually invoice their clients, and we do the collections for them. Oh, wow. We're not a collection agency. We don't collect 100%, but I would say uh, on the record that we cr- we collect 95 to 98% of all the invoices for our franchisees, which that's a tremendous thing for a mm-hmm. business owner not to have to worry about, that they have a team of professionals well-experienced and trained to help them with that aspect of the business. Absolutely. It takes a lot of off their back. Yeah, the back office, right? As a, as any type of business owner, you're wearing a lot of hats. So if you can have someone helping you with a couple of those hats, it's <laughs> it, it, it carries a lot of weight. Uh, what? Uh, tell us about your franchise system. Um, how many current franchisees do you have? Uh, projected growth? Well, as a uh, franchisor, working for the franchisor, we add about 8 to 10 units per year. Um, and last year, I think we were around eight. Um, we don't award the franchise again unless there's, they, we feel it's a good fit for them. They're a good fit for us. We're, we're not a franchise sales company. I think that differentiates that from my 20-plus competitors in the industry. Um, they're very aggressive in offering franchises. Um, we're on the, up, the opposite side of that. We just want to make absolutely sure that this is going to be a good fit for them and a good fit for us. In terms of territories that we've offered in the past five and a half years, I've not had any franchisees close due to territory issues, which I think that's very important. So again, we do a very strong break-even analysis. Mm -hmm. If the numbers work for them, we invite them in. Uh, If we all agree that this would be a good fit, we make them an offer. They can refuse or they could accept. If they accept that offer, we're going to put them through the training program and we're going to assist them in starting up the business and developing the business because we bring, with every franchisee, we bring those corporate contracts, those corporate accounts. So it takes a little bit of the stress and anxiety off of somebody to know that they have a company that's going to provide, in our industry, it's referred to as program work. Mm. And we Mm. do that for regional and national and again, okay. you know, local they have to develop because we 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 can't put somebody in on lo- on a local basis <laughs> to help them on the day to day business. But but if they're not working in the field, and we don't want them to work in the field except for maybe uh, three to four months, we highly suggest that they get out there in their local area and and learn the jobs they're doing in their area, and then after that, hire a operations manager, lead technician, additional technicians, and then they can be in a supervisory position. Okay, the executive model. That's what we would we, we would like them to do. Now, some of our people enjoy that work a lot, just like a, a Mr. Handyman, and they get out there and they feel they want to be a, a, a person in the field. They keep their hands in the business kind of deal, uh, out there working and assisting their technicians. Uh, our top-line franchisees are doing uh, multimillion-dollar businesses, you know, three, four, five, six million dollars a year. So it can be built into mm. a much larger uh, kind of business model. But at the same time, Pamela, I would like to say that we have a few handful of franchisees that are uh, that mom and pop model. <laughs> they do it all, and and they're very happy. And and if they're happy with their franchise, we're happy for them. Understood. If they have any issues, we'll work with them on that. But if they're happy, we're happy. 
What's nice about this particular business model, is it fair for me to say it, it's not necessarily sexy, but it is a need to have business. Pamela, many of our franchisees come on board once they learn the, the industry standards and we have the information to provide them because it's it's what I would call fairly um, – it's resistant. I mean you've got a business model here where you know you're going to be uh, have a consistent business. About 2% of the households in any community are going to have a water issue mm-hmm. throughout the year. That's the industry standard, and the industry uh, keeps records of that. Of course they do. This is for the insurance companies. Uh, those people that uh, pay cash to get it done are not included in that. So, you know, it's safe to say that at a minimum 2% of your community will have water losses. And uh, that's what uh, our franchisees have a, a, a very confident level in or on. And that's what gives them the confidence to go in the industry because they can see the market. They can learn the market. The market has been validated for them on a percentage of households. So it's a, it's a, it's a comfort zone to go into business and know that you have a market. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to pose you with this question as well. With your deep experience, what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise? Pamela, one of the things that I do because of my background experience is is I want to make sure that they understand that there's a lot of options out there. So if they're looking at the uh, restaurant industry, we, we, you know, I'm not going to discourage them from the restaurant industry or any other industry. Um, and so I work with them and they, they look at multiple models. My average uh, candidate prospect is probably looking at three or four different business opportunities and often sometimes comparative models in our framework. And uh, again, fit is the most important thing. So once we've met these people face-to-face, they've come and they've seen our total operation, talked to the operational staff there. If they feel that Rytec is a good fit for them, we're going to make them an offer. Uh, but they can, certainly can go home and, and continue their search for 60, 90 days looking at other business models. So we're, we're not pushing people into business. This is a decision because we know that their family, the wife, Everybody else associated with them is very interested in in uh, in their success, and uh, we are interested in their success. And and by the way, we invite them to bring anyone else that's involved in their decision making process to our open house meeting. So it's not just the franchise prospective franchisee; it's anyone he wants to bring with him. So uh, you know, I, I'm a former franchisee myself, and I know how coming into the business, the anxiety that people have, and you know, are you, is this going to be a good fit for you? And can you make it a long-term commitment? Is, yeah. And is there business there? And so as a former franchisee, I know the questions that these people are going to have. And I answer those questions for them over a period of time. Uh, the time that we make contact with somebody, Pamela, and the time that we might make a offer is going to be at a bare minimum 60 to 90 days. Mm. And through that process, what we're trying to take away uh, are those people who this would not be a good fit for. So we it, it's all about fit. Area availability is one of the first questions I ask of a potential candidate. I do a, a total mapping to see if we have the opportunity for a, a successful area. After that, we look at how they're going to perhaps finance their business, their timeline for the business. And then again, I'm going to fall back into the ultimate um, thing is fit for them and for us. Very well said. And you, you hit on a lot of important points there that – are covered during the discovery process. Um, And if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Well, my direct line is 706-372-0057. So I welcome your call. If I don't pick up, leave a message. I will will return your call. (laughs) That is technology. (laughs) Okay. And our website, which you can go to and you can request uh, franchise information, is www.rytechinc.com and that is r-y-t-e-c-h-i-n-c.com that's our website and my email address is s-s-e-a-b-a-u-g-h at rytechinc.com that's s stands for steven my last name is seabaugh 
And uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'd, you I'd welcome. That. <laughs> <laughs> and I would certainly. Well, everybody knows I think Rush Limbaugh out there. <laughs> By the way, he is my cousin. So, <laughs> Rush Limbaugh. Um, so, if you have any interest in Rytech, you can go to our webpage and learn information. You certainly are welcome to email me. And you're certainly welcome to call me on my direct line. I would love to have the opportunity to see if we have area availability. Excellent. And when, I mean, just because you brought up area development, how do you go about defining your territories? Can you share with us a little bit more about that? Well, yes, and I'd like to, and thanks for that opportunity. Uh, When I have a a prospect or a candidate or a lead, whatever somebody might want to be called initially, what I do is I meet with them on on the phone, and uh, we share the screen. And I find their home area zip code. Once we have that home area zip code, I build zip code mapping based on their residential zip code. And, uh, and this is done jointly with them. And then once I've picked out a, a number of zip codes, maybe 15, 20, 30, or 40, depending on population density, um, then I'll rack up those numbers, uh, the cities that they're affected with. I'll provide them with an email that actually shows them color mapping of the territory that we would offer based on population and the proximity to where they live because they can start as a home-based business. And so before the, again, before they get very far into the process, if the area d- it doesn't look like a fit to them, well, then we're going to end the conversation because if there's no area opportunity, there's no further discussion. Sure. So area comes first. And if I can uh, create a territory that is comfortable for them, uh, we'll put them together. There is another u- unique aspect of our business model. I would like to mention that. So once somebody buys a, a particular area, we have what we call a service area offering. And we will extend uh, their coverage into a larger zip code mapping uh, at no additional charge for that service Mm. area. So a franchisee might start with, let's say, uh, a base, a minimum base of 400,000 population. Uh, I've just recently granted one of our franchisees, uh, he's now going to have a service area. And over the phone, this is going to sound outstanding, but he'll have a service area of over 2.2 million. With a one-time franchise fee. So that, that's phenomenal. So he, he'll be getting a ton of um, corporate business. That's uh, called you know, program work. And, um, and we're, we're wishing him a lot of financial success. And, and that's mainly because he has the equipment and the manpower to service a much larger area. So we're not looking to put competitors in around him. What we are looking to do is to give him an opportunity to fulfill his financial goals. And, and so that's another part of what we do. Again, uh, we're not trying to have 300 franchisees. What we're, what we're looking for is if we could get maybe 100 franchisees or 150, and then we would pretty much be finished on the franchise development side because we could extend service area to these people without financial additional financial commitments. That And territories, by the way, for those listeners that are considering franchise ownership, very key um, component for anyone to do a deep analysis around. Um, and that's kind of been a theme here, um, speaking with Brett as well as yourself, Stephen. Uh, so definitely want to hone in and understand that more uh, when considering a franchise. I'd like to uh, thank you so much. I mean, wealth of knowledge, you know, great perspectives, Steve and Brett. Tom, are you still out there? I am, Bill. Wonderful. Uh, before we wrap up, I, I just I'd, I'd like to do a little bit of a quick roundtable and uh, see if anyone has any closing additional thoughts, advice you would like to give to our listeners. Uh, Tom, I, 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 you probably fell asleep on us, so we're going to pull you back in the fold here. <laughs> any additional thoughts? No, or we're working away while I was listening to Stephen. Multitasking. So. I understand that program. Yeah. Any additional thoughts? No, I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, as, as people consider uh, the choice of going into business entrepreneurship, going into business of their own, uh, they simply need to look uh, for, as I mentioned earlier, what is their why? What are the criteria that they're looking for in a business? And I think Stephen hit on some great points as far as the fit. We absolutely look for that. We're not in the business, as you heard Brett say, we're not in the business of selling franchise. We're trying to find out if, we're the right fit for them and they're the right fit for us. And through uh, what we call a mutual discussion, mutual evaluation. And that's important. If it's only one way or the other, uh, we're not going to go forward. And you know, we do say no when we get to the table, uh, when they come to see us face to face, not everybody gets uh, to move forward. 
we absolutely want to make sure as best we can that we're going down the path together because it's a long-term relationship and it's a 10-year term plus an option to renew for another 10 years. So we take that very seriously and so therefore spend a lot of time, as Brett outlined, that we want to find out what you're looking for. What are the goals? What are the dreams? What are the desires? What's the family like? And not just about the business. So uh, that's important to, to make sure that that fit is right. And there's no guarantees, unfortunately, in anything that's uh, you know, going forward that you know, it's going to be exactly the way you thought. Things change, but uh, we're in it for the long haul. We've got incredible support. Uh, as Brett also mentioned, uh, we're going to be there every step of the way, so you're never going to be alone. There's an old saying in franchising, you're in business for yourself, <laughs> but not by yourself. Yes. So it's very true. Those of us been around a long time hear that a lot. And uh, so as people look at entering into a business and an opportunity uh, in a comparison of do I do it on my own or do I go franchise, uh, that's where we can help them make that evaluation. And sometimes uh, you know, it's the right move to go on your own. But uh, more importantly, comparing those, and as uh, Brett mentioned, he looked at some other opportunities too, is that's a great way to do it. Compare and contrast other business models and find the one that fits the best for you and your family. Great, great advice. Thank you. Brett, anything you would like to add to that from your perspective? Uh, just honestly, kind of pulling my way back from uh, being so inside this franchise conversation is when you look at it from a business perspective, mm -hmm. it's not for everybody, but you can innovate and you can build something within a franchise Yes, without having to reinvent the wheel. And that's what excites me the most about what I'm doing right now is I'm building organizational standards for just world-class customer service within our franchise. Yes, so I'm meeting the franchise standards, and then I'm setting my own to exceed those standards. And so I'm I'm really enjoying that part of it is is the innovation on a small level within our franchise. So um, just just from someone who who didn't necessarily see himself as being the type of person who would own a franchise, now that I do, I think it's a great fit. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to following your success. I have no doubt that uh, that's what you're going to experience. Stephen, what, with your deep experience, what advice, additional thoughts? Well, as, as we've discussed here today, I, I, you know, I want to make absolutely sure that the person coming to visit with us has had the opportunity to explore a number of other business opportunities, look at a number of FDDs, franchise disclosure documents, and have an understanding of what franchising is all about. Because it is, you know, you're, you're in business for yourself, but you're not by yourself. And I think that's an important statement for us that have been around a long time because we want the franchisee to lean on us during those first and very critical 60 to 90 days and uh, an ongoing basis with how we can service that franchisee because it's very important to join a franchise system. But what, what you're actually getting is all this background, but you're also learning what mistakes not to make. Mm -hmm. Because if, if as an independent, if you were to make two or three mistakes in the early year years of your business – it could be so disastrous that you're going to lose your total investment. Great point. And I, I want to, um, I also want to point out before you identify um, and start the discovery process with a specific franchisor, uh, you know, you've already alluded to this. There's value in working with a franchise consultant to help bring into scope what's important to you in a business. So you can then look at a variety of different businesses, do that cross comparison. And, uh, yeah, Pamela, I'll add to that. Uh, Cause I come from the consulting side as well for many years, uh, and working with consultants now on this side of the equation, uh, it's very valuable. I think it's a great way to go about it. As I mentioned earlier, that comparing and contrasting of different businesses, it's phenomenal because if you look at buying an independent business, you look at one set of books, you talk to one owner, and you cross your fingers that they haven't cooked the books on you. Whereas looking at multiple Definitely. brands, and when you get into a franchise evaluation, you get to talk to as many owners as you like. And we have rules and regulations by the Federal Trade Commission that we follow. So mm. disclosure documents and all the things that we have to follow keeps the candidate, the franchise prospect, safe in terms of going through a process that is evaluated by the Federal Trade Commission. And we do it consistently. So Agreed. Uh, that's a, a huge plus. 
Agreed. Thank you very much for that, Tom. And I and I do want to share with our listeners that uh, because of that, we are Franchise Business Radio Show is sponsored by Franchise City, uh, which is a group of boutique franchise consultants uh, with deep tenure and experience. Uh, and if you're out there searching and wondering, please go to www.franchise.city. And uh, that will definitely help you start that process and will get you in touch with a professional tenured consultant to help you navigate those waters. And if you're just starting out, uh, please, you know, just Get some self-paced knowledge. Some get that starter kit. Uh, please feel free to go to www.franfranintellect.com, and that will start you off with uh, getting some educational knowledge, resources, and tools. Uh, so great advice all the way around. Really appreciate everyone's um, thoughts on franchising and. We're going to go ahead and we're going to sign off. This is Pamela Curry, the host of Franchise Business Radio. Again, a platform for bringing together franchise professionals to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and consumer. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Pamela. Thank you again for joining Pam Curry and her guests on the Franchise Business Radio Show, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge and insight of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at franchiseintellect.com also made possible in part by franchise city a better way to buy a franchise more info at franchise.city use the social media links here to share today's show and check out more episodes at franchisebusinessradio.com. business